Hello, and welcome to the Anxiety Rx podcast, a show created by an anxiety specialist and neuroscientist, me, that offers unique, practical, and actionable advice to help you understand what anxiety truly is and exactly what you can do to empower yourself to resolve it. I'm your host, Dr. Russell Kennedy, an MD who suffered with crippling anxiety for 30-plus years, and traditional therapy from psychiatrists and psychologists really didn't help me feel better. And I also didn't like being on psych meds. In 2013, after burning out and leaving medical practice, I came to the conclusion that if I was ever going to heal my anxiety, I would have to do it myself. And that's exactly what I did, drawing from experiences with psychedelics and holistic healing and combining those modalities with my scientific academic background in medicine, neuroscience, and developmental psychology. Here on the Anxiety Arcs podcast, I offer a distinctly non-traditional and non-medical approach to understanding and healing anxiety. So despite the fact I'm trained as a physician, in no way is what I say and suggest to be construed as medical advice because none of the ways I use to resolve anxiety has anything to do with traditional allopathic medicine. From my own healing, I've created a distinctly non-traditional understanding and approach that helps thousands of people from all over the world understand and relieve their chronic anxiety. So if you're ready, let's get into today's episode. So today, I'm going to talk about victim mentality because it's such a huge part of anxiety. I don't know if I've met anyone who had chronic anxiety who didn't see themselves as a victim. And usually that starts when we're younger. We have some sort of trauma that makes us lose faith in the world. If you grow up in a secure, safe environment, you start thinking, well, the world's a safe place. But if you grow up in a a world that's not secure or safe or traumatic, you start losing that view of the world that life is safe. Things are safe. And what happens when you start looking at the world with that mentality that things aren't safe is that your brain will tell you and help you along in whatever manner you decide. So if you just default to, I'm a victim, this isn't going to work out for me, nothing works for me, blaming others, whatever you're doing, your brain will support that. And it supports that by secreting epinephrine and cortisol, which are the hormones neuropeptides, and chemicals of stress, which goes into your brain and makes you specifically look for threat. When you are in survival physiology, when you are full of cortisol and epinephrine, you look for threat because you've been told by these neuropeptides and chemicals that you are under threat. You are under threat. So you have to figure out a way out of that threat. Now, often when we were children, there was no way out of that threat. There was no way out. You were a child. If your father was, say, schizophrenic like mine or an alcoholic or something, or your mother was narcissistic, you didn't get your needs met, all that stuff, you become a powerless victim at that point because children are victims in a lot of ways. If the parent is acting out or hurting them in some way, consciously or or not consciously, errors of commission by doing something bad or errors of omission by rejecting them, just not being there for them. That creates a tremendous amount of alarm in their system. And then that alarm has to go somewhere. It has to do something. So the alarm basically puts us into a state of survival, puts us into a state of, of fight or flight and creates all the hormones and chemicals associated with that specifically, as I've said, cortisol and adrenaline. So 
when your brain is on cortisol, this is your brain on drugs. This is when your brain is on cortisol and adrenaline, we don't think clearly. In fact, that's been shown that when our brains go into this hormonal uh, activity or, or, or sympathetic fight or flight, we don't think clearly. In fact, we shut off our rational brain and we divert the energy into the emotional survival brain. Now, as you probably know, the emotional survival brain doesn't have a lot of options. You know, it's basically just get the hell out of there and survive. That's basically what comes to, what it comes down to. So when we're in victim mentality and we're already secreting cortisol and epinephrine, we paralyze the rational parts of our brain. So it works like this. We, we get into survival mode. Something triggers us or maybe something doesn't trigger us. Maybe we just wake up with alarm. And the brain being a meaning-making, make-sense machine, especially the left hemisphere, left hemisphere wants to know. It wants to know what's going on. If you're feeling alarmed in your system, that left hemisphere will start making up reasons why, okay, my taxes are due. That must be it. I, I can't pay my rent this month. That must be it. I'm having trouble with my partner. That must be it. It's like maybe, but chances are you're just in survival physiology and when you're in survival physiology with cortisol and, and norepinephrine in your brain and epinephrine in your body running around, you don't think clearly. And in short, you think like a victim because you kind of are a victim to those chemicals in a way because they paralyze the parts of your brain, the rational part of your brain that would say, hey, this actually isn't a big deal. What you're, what you're doing right now, what you're feeling right now, what you're thinking right now isn't actually a big deal, but that part of our brain gets paralyzed by these chemicals. So not only when we're in survival physiology, do we look for threat preferentially because we're evolutionarily designed to that to do that. When we're in threat thousands of years ago, we would search around and find the threat. Now today, there isn't a whole lot of threat in your bedroom, typically. You know, maybe you've got a situation there I don't know about, but Typically, there isn't a lot of threat going on in your house. But still, we got these Stone Age brains in a digital world. So we've got to find a threat. So we will look outside. We will look into our relationships. We will look into whatever is going wrong in your life at that particular moment, which will seem so much worse because the part of your brain that would be rational and tell you, hey, this really isn't much of a big deal. You're making a big deal out of this. That part of your brain got shut off by the survival chemicals. So we default into this default or into this victim mentality because we feel that we don't have any we don't have any agency. We don't have any power, which is exactly how it was when you were 5, 7, 12 years old and things started to go to shit in your household. You didn't have any power. You had to pretty much stay there and be a victim. And that becomes familiar. And Freud talked about this too. Freud talked about this repetition compulsion. So what was familiar to you in childhood? And this is true for me. Chaos was kind of familiar to me in childhood. My dad would be okay for months at a time. And then he would kind of go off into schizophrenia or bipolar or, or, or mania. So chaos was something I got used to as a child. And the thing about human beings is that we often unconsciously equate familiarity with security. So what was familiar to you in childhood, you will unconsciously replicate that in your adulthood. And we see that when people pick the same type of partner over and over again. 
It's just something that's in us. And unless we're aware of it, we can't get by it. We can't get past it. And Carl Jung said that. She said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. So, so much of this automatic behavior, especially victim behavior, victim mentality, is from our childhood because we didn't feel like we had any power or agency in childhood. If you were bullied and couldn't get out of that situation and you couldn't tell anybody, that creates this victim mentality, the sense of powerlessness. And if you are held in a high sympathetic state, high fight or flight state, and you cannot move, literally or figuratively, and I I point this out before, like with my dad, when he would go really, really depressed and I'd be worried that he might commit suicide, I wasn't held in that house against my will physically, but I certainly didn't feel like I could go outside because I didn't know what my dad was going to do. So there is this sense of being held immobile. And I think that's one of the reasons why exercise and movement and Qigong and Tai Chi and all those things are good for anxiety because they get you moving again. Because the state that you were in as a child, that victim mentality, that survival state had a lot of frozenness in it had a lot of fear in it. And we go into, if you want to use polyvagal theory, we go into dorsal vagal shutdown, which is basically the vagus nerve, the most primitive part of the vagus nerve becomes very active and it shuts us down. Just like a mouse cornered by a cat will just shut off, it'll play dead. We have that same physiology in us. If we are against something that we we know that we can't overcome, if you're a five-year-old and your dad's hitting you, you will go into dorsal vagal shutdown. Not always, but but a, a good chance that you will. And when we do that, we shut down our physiology. And in that shutdown state, that immobilized state, it just reinforces this victim mentality. I've never met anyone with chronic anxiety who didn't see themselves as a victim, including me, including me, especially me. So it's really important to recognize that that victim mentality will just create more of that. Whatever you focus on, you get more of. Just the, just a tenant of neuroscience. Whatever you focus on, you will get more of that. Unconsciously or consciously. So unconsciously, if we focus on the fact that we're helpless and we're victims, which is a lot of the time what happened when we had childhood trauma, you will reinforce that. And it will show up in your life. You won't take responsibility for it. Um, You'll blame other people. You have a lot of negative talk, self-sabotage, lack of self-confidence. There'll be a lot of things that go along with that victim mentality that just reinforce the victim mentality. And then when we have that victim mentality, as I said, we'll secrete cortisol and epinephrine, which paralyzes the part of our brain that would say, hey, this isn't actually a huge deal. You're making a way bigger deal about that. So we get double whammy. One, with this, with this survival physiology, with this cortisol and epinephrine in our system, we are programmed to look for threat when we feel those chemicals in our system. And if there is no threat that we can see readily apparent, what we will do is we will make one up. That left hemisphere, it has to know what's going on, so it will make up a reason. And then we'll believe that reason because we made it up. And this is where people get trapped in their own thoughts. They get trapped in their own worries. This is how health anxiety gets started. This is how social anxiety gets started because we start becoming this self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, I can't go to that party because I'm going to have a panic attack. And then you go to the party and you have a panic attack and it's like, well, I'm never going to parties again. So it's really understanding that this victim mentality creates these chemicals in our system that 
make us more into a victim. So it becomes this self-fulfilling cycle. Now, how do we get out of it? Well, first of all, you recognize that you're a victim, recognize that you're complaining, that you're frustrated, that you're angry, that you feel powerless. And most of these things come from a disconnection from yourself, specifically a disconnection from your child self, from the part of you that did feel uh, immobilized, in pain, from the part of me that felt like I couldn't leave the house because I didn't know what my dad was going to do. So when we go back to these places, when we go back to these places of fear and, and powerlessness, we turn into victims chemically, psychologically, physiologically, and we have to become aware that that's where we're headed. If, we're, if we become aware of the victim mentality, we can start doing something about it. And one of the simple things to do something about it is just leaning on the balls of your feet. Like if you see someone across the room you want to go talk to, lean on the balls of your feet. Mel Robbins talks about 54321, which is also a great little option. So it's really about creating that sense that I'm going to move into my pain. I'm going to move forward. You know, feel the fear, do it anyway, that kind of thing, which I'm not 100% on board with. But in general, this is something that when you feel afraid of something, you should go towards it. Because if you go, if you get on your heels and you go backwards, your brain will support you with that. And it'll create uh, cortisol and epinephrine, which will make you feel worse and paralyze the part of your brain that would tell you, hey, this is not the right place to go. Now, if you do the opposite, if you lean on the balls of your feet, if you go into what, what scares you, if you make a pact that, okay, I'm going to go and ask that person you know, for their phone number or whatever, you will start secreting dopamine in your brain, which will tell you, hey, you're on the right track. That's what dopamine, it, it motivates us. So it motivates us to be on the right track. And the other thing is we start secreting our, our natural brain morphine when we are perceiving that we are, we are deliberately going into something that we're afraid of. If we're going in afraid and we're being wheeled in there being scared, that doesn't work. That doesn't secrete the endogenous brain morphine that we create. You know, they say that the runner's, the runner's high. That's what this chemical is kind of. This morphine gets secreted in our brains that kind of anesthetizes the pain and allows us to keep moving forward allows us to keep going into what we're afraid of. And when we move into what we're afraid of, we activate that part of our brain that's rational and focused. And we see this with a lot of emergency room docs. They'll, they'll have horrendous, horrendous car accidents come in and they are so keenly focused on it, even though it's, free, it's scary because the dopamine in the system is now aligning your brain with, okay, let's do something about this. Let's move forward, which is exactly the opposite of probably what happened when we were children. Because when we try to change it, we either get smacked down by your parents or something happens that doesn't work out for you, which again, reinforces the victim mentality, reinforces the cortisol, reinforces the epinephrine. And that paralyzes the part of our brain that would actually help us move forward. And we become paralyzed in fear. A lot of victim mentality is because of this sense of immobilization. So if you can move when you're feeling anxious, if you can start moving, it's even a small amount, it starts breaking that pattern. It starts breaking that cycle. So victim mentality, we can start breaking it when we start to feel hopeful, when we start to be kind to ourselves. 
when we start to really look at what can I do about this? How can I, how can I move into this as opposed to moving away? Because if you move in, your brain will secrete chemicals that will support that. If you move away, your brain will create chemicals that support moving away. So it's really important to understand that there's part of our brain that will really respond well to us just going at what scares us. Because if if we go back on our heels, our brain just thinks, okay, I guess there's I guess this is scary. I guess there's nothing we can do about this. So offering some some connection with that child inside of you that didn't get their needs met that that wasn't able to move out of that situation bringing them into the present moment and i'm creating a yoga nidra right now like a a hypnosis that connects our our present day adult self with our child self in a very hypnotic meditative way to do exactly this to connect the frightened child with the competent adult and when we do that, we bring ourselves back into wholeness. And when we bring those disparate, afraid parts of our, our, our child, the inner child in us, back into sense of a belonging and wholeness, we start creating a whole new different batch of chemicals that really support us moving away from this victim mentality. Because if you have victim mentality, you'll never heal your anxiety. If you, if you allow it to take you over, you'll never heal. And I see people that come into therapy, they want to heal, but they're so steeped in victim that I, I have to tell them, I say, as long as you stay in the victim mentality, I mean, I'm happy to help you try and move out of it, but as long as you stay in this victim mentality, because for many people, it's an identity. After a while, after you've been a victim for 20, 30, 40 years, it's very difficult to break that. But if you're committed to moving out of victim and recognizing it and seeing it and creating an awareness, I'm, I'm in victim right now. What can I do about it? Well, you can move. You can move. That's That's the first and probably the most effective stage to start with is, is just movement. Do some Qigong, do some Tai Chi, go to the gym, move. Because victim and immobility are handed, they're, they're kissing cousins. They, they lock into each other and there's a tremendous amount of inertia in there. So when you're frozen in victim and you're immobile, there's really, there's not a whole lot of things that'll get you out of that unless this conscious, aware, I am just going to force myself out of bed. I am going to force myself into that shower. I'm going to move towards what scares me. And really, that's what this little, this episode is about. It's really about being able to see what scares you and move towards it instead of moving away from it. Because if you move towards it, you will start creating a place in your mind and body that will support you. And you will get better and better at that. But as soon as you relax or default, this may be a better word, default into victim, you'll never get better. It just never gets better when, when you're a victim. And it's really important to understand how does victim mentality feel in my body? Like when I feel helpless and powerless, I say to people, well, just like when? When in your childhood did you feel helpless and powerless? Well, my parents were getting a divorce and I couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. So find that seven-year-old who had to experience that parent's divorce. Go back, see them, hear them, protect them, love them. And I know that sounds kind of flaky and ethereal and whatever, but that's how you heal. That's how you heal. All the academic, all the cognitive stuff that you learn, all the cognitive strategies that you learn are helpful. But unless you find that child in you 
and you show them that they're loved, seen, heard, protected, you're always going to be a victim. You're never really going to heal from your source because you're split from the inside. And when we're split from the inside, and this starts very young, when there's, when there's shit that goes down in our, our, our homes, children blame themselves. And when you blame yourself for your parents' divorce or, or not getting good grades or whatever, you develop this internal split. You judge, abandon, blame, and shame yourself, what I call jabs. And when you take these jabs yourself, starting at a five-year-old or seven-year-old or 12-year-old or whatever, you create a tremendous amount of alarm in your system. And that alarm in your system is what feeds your anxious thoughts and creates this victim mentality that you can't get out of on your own. So it's really about understanding that you have to move, you have to breathe, and you have to connect with that wounded, powerless, helpless feeling child in you and show them that you see them, hear them, love them, and protect them. That's the key. That's what I'm creating this yoga nidra about right now, is to really be able to understand and see that child, see their eyes, connect with them, show them that they're seen, heard, loved, and protected. That's how we heal. That's how we heal from anxiety. Now, I know I'm speaking a little fast today. My mom's in hospital. I'm, I'm a bit nervous and got a little pressure of speech, but I didn't want to do the podcast today because I didn't feel it because I was immobile. I was upstairs just like feeling sorry for myself. And it's like, fuck it. Go downstairs, pick a topic and just go for it. So if I'm a little fractured today, forgive me. I really want to, I really want to be consistent for you. I really want to create something at least once a week that's really going to help. And this yoga nidra that I'm creating right now for deep rest and really getting into those subcortical feeling structures in your brain, that's, that's really where the healing really occurs. Because I'm committed to helping you out of anxiety. You don't have to suffer with anxiety the way I did. I wish I knew now, or I wish I knew then what I know now. And what I know now is that I'm so much better, so much more. Like this thing with my mother right now would have shot me so deep into anxiety two years ago. And now it's kind of like, well, this is unfortunate, but I'm not going to let it turn me into a victim. So don't let anxiety turn you into a victim. Start to move, connect with yourself, find that child in you, see them, hear them, protect them and love them. And that's how you heal. So that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. And if the Anxiety Rx podcast resonates with you, consider getting my book, also coincidentally called Anxiety Rx. Or you can follow me on any of the social media platforms at The Anxiety MD or my website, www.theanxietymd.com. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you the next time on the Anxiety Rx podcast. <laughs>